What is HyFlex and how does this modality work? Wait, first off, what is course design? And how do we design classes that encourage intrinsic engagement? How do you increase flexibility and honor student agency? Welcome to a Safe Topics mini-series where Sean and Curry talk about why we teach and how we teach. All right, Sean, so what the fuck is HyFlex and how do you spell it? H Y no space capital F L E X. Most of our listeners are at Miracosta College, but if you're not, it's very similar to Miracosta. Yeah. You know, it, it's one word M I R A. There's no space here in capital C O S T A. Yeah. I've seen a space with those before, but usually not, right? No, Miracosta's been putting capital letters in the middle of words for a long time. We're way old school capitalized stuff in the middle of words. <laughs> so HyFlex <laughs> is perfect for us then. I know, it fits. <laughs> yes. So the high and HyFlex is hybrid. Okay. Or or maybe like high is in a high number of flexible parts. I'm not Only sure. Maybe. Oh, it could be. I'm making this up right now. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be H I G H flex, right? But I know, but if you want to be cool, okay, gotcha. And you just want to really get it down, you know, in terms <laughs> of the amount of letters you have. Yes. If you want to lower the amount of letters, then you have to uh-huh. just use H Y. So yes, and then the flex is the flexible part. Okay. Um, and that is something that we're gonna talk more about. Yeah. Now. So so it's hybrid flexible, hybrid flexible yes. and high flex kind of fuses those two words into one. So in that sense, what, what is hybrid mean in this context? What are we talking about? What the hybrid class, what is that? What does that look like? Was that, what are we supposed to think about? Well, traditionally or neo-traditionally, whatever, like the, the, the word hybrid when referring to class uh, categories, it, it's, some components online, some components in person, right? And I think that probably for the past 20 years about there, all classes have been a little bit hybrid. I I don't know of any class really, but I'm sure there's a few, but uh, that don't have the online component using a learning management system like Canvas, at least for the grade books, at least to get announcements out, at least to you know, um, have copies of important documents, the syllabus and things like that. So I would say, are there still a hundred percent on ground classes? Uh, And if you would say with no component online, I I don't think that exists anymore, certainly post pandemic, but even before then, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And, and, but I think, and so along those lines, I would want to ask, okay, so you've got a class that meets face-to-face in a physical classroom and you've got Canvas that you're using for a grade book. Um, when I think of hybridity, I'm thinking of, of digital and physical spaces used for teaching and learning, not just sort of as a cache of resources. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so hybridity is describing digital, physical space that's highly interactive and engaging for learning processes. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely. So that, yeah, that that is what I think of too. Um, and then like technical and official classifications of classes. That's what I mean. Like to be 100% online, there's no in-person 
feature, right? There's no um, component where you, you have to take a proctor test or then it just, be, it becomes hybrid at yeah. that point where you yeah. actually have to do something in person. Yeah. And so the high, the, the, that's the, the high part of this is that hybrid um, aspect, but then the flexible part, what, what are you thinking of um, when you hear that word flexible being introduced to the way that we label a class? Yeah. Well, before we get there, I think there's one more thing I'm thinking of with hybrid and that's sure. how time is prescribed for that class, right? I think one of the first ways that I understood hybrid to describe a class was you'll meet in a classroom on Monday, but then for the rest of the week, you're going to be engaging with each other in Canvas. The Monday was going to be a two-hour block or so, but the Canvas thing was like two hours spaced out kind of at your convenience between a window of this and that. So I think, so hybrid means digital and physical, but I think it also means synchronous and asynchronous, right? Right. So then all of our Zoom classes over the past year and a half have been hybrid. Yeah. They've been hybrid in the sense that we're meeting in real time in a digital space, Mm -hmm. but maybe not hybrid in the sense that versus my asynchronous class, right? In, In other words, like, uh, my English 100 asynchronous class, I offer Zoom sessions every other week um, and they can hang out. So that's, that's hybridizing the asynchronous modality with some synchronous sessions. See, and this is where it gets confusing, I feel like, especially <laughs> to students yes. when they're signing up for courses and they don't know like, okay, if it's hybrid and that means that I'm going to have a synchronous, let, let's say the understanding is synchronous and asynchronous split. Yeah. yeah. So you have the synchronous time, we're all meeting together. And then the asynchronous time, we're doing things on our own. Yeah. That still does not tell them if this is going with a traditional content transmission model or a flipped classroom model. Yeah. Whereas like in the traditional, they're going to come and hear a lecture yeah. and then they're going to go do coursework and, and other supplemental readings outside of that synchronous time asynchronously and then yeah. contribute to the class that way. Or if they're going to get the content during that asynchronous time and the application is going to happen during that time that they're together in the synchronous session, which is the flipped classroom model, right? Totally. Yeah. Well, and the flipped model is another interesting way to think of hybrid teaching and learning, right? It's traditionally where or we're being taught in the classroom and then we're doing the sort of studying outside the classroom and the flipped pushes those things into different spaces at different times. So, so hybrid means a lot of things. Is that what we're saying? Yes. (laughs) Yes. But it's helping me to think in simple terms, digital and physical. So a hybridized sort of teaching and learning in those spaces. Synchronous, asynchronous. Synchronous, asynchronous. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the flexible part in high flex means that students get to pick, yeah? Yes, choice. Okay. Yeah. Right on. So I'm going to have a high flex class is one that offers digital and physical learning spaces. Mm -hmm. It offers asynchronous and synchronous modes of interacting with content, and the student picks what they would, their preference that fits their goals. Yes, how often do they get to make that choice? Every time. Every time. <laughs> yes. So essentially what, what this high flex is, people get to choose if they want to attend the class, the synchronous session, the synchronous part of the class, 
if they want to attend that in person or if they want to attend that uh, via Zoom. Okay. That That's their choice. Yeah. Now, as an instructor, I can and I will have certain days and times where I say, I think it's really important for us to all be here together in the physical space, but there's no way of enforcing that. I'm not even interested in that, but even if I was, there's no way I can't like dock them points for not showing up that day. I mean, I can't do that either way. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think that the instructor really has to be nimble, right? And really has to maybe let go of some hurt feelings if yeah. people aren't showing up in person, right? you know, because yeah. I, I don't know the way that the course is advertised and we could talk about this more, like I may look at the, 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 the course offering and say, I don't ever have to come to this. Yeah. And that's a, that's, that's an issue that I'm really thinking about is like, am I going to be teaching alone in a classroom where I could have been doing that from the comfort of my home, but yeah. now I'm in the classroom doing this mi- or there's one student that always shows up. Right. We're just kind of hanging out and everybody's on the back screen, you know? <laughs> right. I don't know. But the flexibility part is so that, you know, we've all had in-person classes where somebody will be like, my car broke down or I have a flat tire or I had to take my sibling to school this morning yes. and they couldn't make it to class on time or they couldn't make it to class at all. Now, while you're tired, you know, you're waiting on AAA or you're waiting for somebody else to help you out with that the the car troubles you could be zooming into your class and then resume the rest of your day after that right so I think if I'm thinking of things I've done like this in the past Mm -hmm. that to me sounds like an accommodation that I'm making for a certain student going through a certain circumstance right so um, missed class but I have notes a powerpoint I can send you or like you said I've got like first thing we did uh, before the pandemic in my class was I was setting up Zoom sessions because I kind of, I knew, I, I had a sense this is where we were heading. So I had a couple of students before we locked down, like, okay, you can Zoom in while we're holding class, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think this notion of flexibility, if, we, if we're really looking at high flex, is a little different because it's not just, it's not just circumstantial, right? Um, what it what it's really asking or it's it's demanding is okay, a student gets to prioritize where they're going to be, how they're going to interact, and when that's going to happen, regardless of where you and I would say. But this week, it's probably really important that you're in the space at the same time, right? Where where the flexibility is no no students direct what is priority in terms of you know time and space. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the real flexibility is that they do that in an individualized way, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, unless they start kind of grouping together and saying, hey, you attend these live sessions, I'll do, you know, that may emerge in some cases, but what we're talking about right now is a pilot, right? So this is the first time for yeah. everyone yeah. And, and assuming it's the first time for our students too. You know, I think about this also in kind of that faculty um, from, from our faculty view in that when we come back to a more fully on-ground experience, even as faculty members um, outside of our teaching obligations, don't you feel like most meetings are going to be high flex? Like that some people will be Zooming in and some people will be there in person, as opposed to the kind of everybody's there on person. Maybe you have one person calling in before, but that was kind of a rare occurrence. 
Yeah. But are we also going to include that asynchronous piece? Like, uh, will meetings also allow someone to work for 20 minutes every day for a week and somehow experience the same kind of, you know, contributions and, and, and sort of receiving ideas that you would have synchronously, whether they're physically or digitally, you know what I mean? Like that's. Yeah. Okay. So that, that brings me back to the teaching and learning part because you know, I'm kind of running this idea uh, by you in real time here. I I get the asynchronous piece, but there's something that I'm not comfortable with recording the class sessions, the synchronous live sessions. Yeah. But posting in the async part of this, posting, you know, five to 10 minute videos that really get to the heart of whatever we were talking about that day. But it's kind of like a more direct message as opposed to you know, when you start lecturing about these things and having a back and forth with students in real yes. time, right. it, it stretches a 10 minute lesson out to an hour totally. where I could tell you all the things that are just like what I think you need to know in the 10 minutes yep. and have that available for students, but maybe not the entire hour of like our back and forth during a live class session. Yeah, no doubt. And and just the the synergy of and the difference between so you with one student in a zoom session or you with five students or you with 15 students like that's that's a different dynamic and so let's let's look ahead a little bit so so Mm -hmm. one thing we're riffing on is this book uh by brian Beatty called hybrid flexible course design brian Beatty's out of san francisco state university which is Mm -hmm. sort of the, the a lot of people point to is where this high flex modality comes from um, and in this text that he has, he has these four principles, learner choice, equivalency, reusability, and accessibility. So what we're talking about right now around learner choice, like what would you choose to do, is really this kind of equivalency. So is there an equivalent, highly engaging, interactive experience with a Zoom session when you're there, a recording of that Zoom session, I'm watching it later, and or some kind of discussion board? where you're are we saying all of those things are the same pick the one you want to do you'll get the same thing out of it so that's that's equivalency or that's how we could maybe talk about equivalency the other one is reusability so you've had the zoom session can you chunk it up and put it in that discussion board so it does operate a little bit more like call and response listen talk with each other Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like and or is there stuff from a discussion board that you can have in your Zoom sessions the next time you guys meet? Does that make sense? So like, that's the challenge. <laughs> do you think that's possible? Like, do you even think that this is? You know, we're going to get more into the nuts and bolts and specifics right. in our next episode. We want to say high level. I, I, right I, yeah, yeah, but even thinking in, in, about that, I, I see a lot of issues that can emerge. Right, um, I could see that. People don't want to engage in certain topics in a social 101 course. Yeah. And maybe or any course. And maybe those are the days that I zoom or I just do a total asynchronous week for myself. Right. Ah, yeah. And there are, I think, benefits and definite drawbacks to that. Yeah. Um, and I think with the equivalency, we can never promise that. You can say this is all working toward the same student learning outcome, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. the three or four that you have for your course, but you can't say the experience is equivalent because it just isn't, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, on a discussion board, there may be more writing, more thinking, more, you know, contemplation. All of those things I think could be deeper and richer because of 
you can take your time. You can backspace. You can wait. You can sit on it for 10 minutes. You can come back to it. You know, you can look up other resources and then come back to it. Uh, or you could just blurt it out in the moment, but that that's more, um, in line with what we have in an in-person experience because you don't have all the resources at your disposal and you don't have the most essential resource which is time right yeah so i don't know i think that the equivalency thing is not possible but within the definition that's provided by uh uh the author it, it is because it's saying leading to an equivalent learning outcome right and yeah. with that language then absolutely you can do that the reusability so I think that that is something that's really important and and speaks to what I was just saying with making the videos, right? Like they will always have this stuff available to them. And it's not like the traditional in-person experience where you do something and then it's gone, right? Right. Like we're done with that and, and it doesn't exist anywhere except for within the experience we just had. Right. It now lives online in the form of a recording and the other artifacts or materials that are going to be stored onto our course shell, right? Our canvas shell. No, totally. And so I think, so one of the things that HyFlex challenges me to think about is the blocks that I, I rely on, the blocks of time I rely on in my synchronous physical classes. So I think in Mondays and Wednesdays, and then I think in units, right? And then I think in the semester. And so, and there's this notion of like, you missed it. So like we did that on Monday, you missed it. So you've got to make it up, right? It's this sort of discrete time where what you're talking about is you weren't in the space, but you haven't missed anything because it's there. Like what we did is there, what students generated is here and curated. You still can come in and interact with the whatever thing and then generate your whatever thing. And it now becomes a a part of this whole that we then can revisit in the next unit or becomes a a leaping off point for a project or, you know what I mean? And so I I like that about, in in other words, if I think about high flex teaching from the vantage point of synchronous uh, physical space teaching, it's hard to get my head around it. But if I think about it from the vantage point of asynchronous digital teaching, where I've got the, I'm not thinking in discrete blocks, I'm thinking in windows, right? And recursive, recursive learning where content is all we do, we just generate content. I, I, can, I can conceive of high flex a little more easily, I think, right? So starting with asynchronous moving there rather than just synchronous um, is a little easier to me to think about, yeah. So, so high flex is not just a new shiny object, right? High flex, like flipped teaching, it's trying to solve a problem. Like, you know, so flipped teaching like came out of Colorado, two teachers teaching up in rural spaces, thinking about their students sitting on a bus for an hour and wanting to increase engagement. So moved their instruction into a space where the students on the bus could get at it on a device. So they show up having had the lesson. Now we can just do fun activities that engage learning. So what, what is learner choice, equivalency, reusability, accessibility? What is HyFlex solving? What's the problem it tries to solve? I think it's trying to solve the diversity of learner preference and learner circumstance right like the the circumstances that people find themselves in if they can attend all the time if they can't and learner preference of what modality works best for them and how to get the information and how to apply the information 
So reading um, it or hearing it or watching it. Uh, right. And not, not, and not to be confused with styles, right? And this sure. kind of like fixed way of like, I'm a visual learner. So uh, that's always going to be what what helps me more than these other things. It, it says, well, if you if you do have a preference for visual learning, we have something for you. Yeah. But if you're not, we have a bunch of other things as well. Yeah. And it's working again toward the same learning outcome. But the experience is gonna, uh, it, it's not gonna be a similar, it's not gonna be the same experience, but we're trying to work toward an outcome and giving you as much choice, flexibility yeah. as, as we can, you know, reasonably give. Right. Equivalent, not equal. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Right. And time, I think talking about learners preferences, styles, needs, like I think the best in the morning, but sometimes yes. the only class that I really need to take is scheduled in the afternoon. And yes. so, right. But in high flex, I, you know, whenever I'm working, whenever I'm thinking, when I'm most optimal to engage in learning, I have the flexibility to choose that time. Yeah. yeah. Or if you work a night shift, right? You work exactly. graveyard shift and then, um, you know, you get off at four in the morning. It's probably not best to have an eight o'clock class. Yeah. Right. But if you could do that same work at one, then, you know, that might be a lot better. So you can get enough sleep in order to uh, do that effectively. You know, when we think about this going into our next episode and like yeah. what questions still remain? So so what what's a big question that you have still about? all of this uh that we can maybe ponder and and, and address in our, our our next meeting yeah so i'm i'm really interested in the potential for student generated content for socially constructed knowledge the sort of community of inquiry approach that i feel like the high flex modality really encourages and so my questions are all about how so just these different student experiences and what tools what spaces what am i going to do about time like how how would i use these three things to, to to make that the goal like and apparently so like like what you do in this class is you engage with something and you generate your sort of knowledge around it and then that becomes part of our body of work and and how we're going to learn in this class um so how, how can i centralize student generated content i guess is the question i'm i'm really thinking that's a great one. You know, uh, my big question at this time is, which situation is more overwhelming? Is it when you have an on-ground class and like you miss the class and you just miss out? Yeah. You know, that can be an overwhelming experience. You're like, oh. I'm never getting that back. I might be embarrassed to like email or talk to someone like I miss class. What would I miss? You know, and sometimes you don't get the best reactions with those kind of questions. And it's a tough situation because you miss out, you miss out. And, yeah. and that might be one of the more important days of the semester, at least to your goal of passing the class or whatever, or giving too much, right? Because yeah. I think there, there, there's, there's a line and we need to uh, always be aware that there is a line, even if we don't quite know where it is yet. Because when everything is accessible and everything is available, asynchronously synchronously like we're doing all of these different things sometimes it's kind of hard to even pick where to start sometimes yeah. it's hard to pick what's the most important sometimes you know there's just too much complication in how should i go about this 
It's yeah. kind of like when you're just scrolling through the damn Netflix or Hulu and you're just like, you spend 30 minutes looking for a show. Yeah. And that was pretty much your entertainment time was like, yeah. I saw a bunch of, you know, posters and I read some descriptions, yep. but did I even really get into anything? Right. Yep. No, that's absolutely. So the tyranny of choice, how yes. do we, how do we mitigate that? How do you, how do we guide students and still honor their self-directed kind of decision-making? That's a, That's a good one for sure. Cool. So in the next episode, we're going to get into some details. So this was what is high flex in its ideal form. And then in the next one, what the fuck will high flex look like in our classes? <laughs> <laughs> right. We, we, we're up high now. Now let's get on the ground and see what we can actually think maybe we can do sort of and <laughs> do what we always do. We'll try. We'll try. Yeah, we'll try. That? That's All right. Possible. <laughs> this Safe Topics miniseries is produced and edited by Kelly Barnett, who also created the theme music. James Garcia handles our social media and outreach. Follow us on Instagram at Safe Topics underscore podcasts. Please rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. <laughs>